This Choircast podcast is brought to you by the book Too Much and Not Enough, Sacred Thoughts Said Out Loud by Karen Schock. This book is for anyone who has big questions about God and is feeling like a misfit among the people who seem to have it all figured out. Journey with me as we dive into the hard stuff and ask the questions no one else seems to want to ask. We will laugh and cry together. You will shake your head along with me as you read the real stories of anxiety and depression, parenting and marriage, and just plain living this life in the messy middle. I don't have all the answers, but my hope in writing this book is that you, the reader, will feel seen. There is a God who is big enough to handle all of our questions and more loving than we can ever imagine. Let's lean into this life together as we learn how to love and be loved in Too Much and Not Enough, available now on Amazon. If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's Heretic Happy Hour. Oh, those sweet, sweet sounds. Thank you. Thank you, Barrett Johnson, uh, for playing us into yet another amazing episode of the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. And we are still too fab for Florida. And uh, we're amazing. Another amazing uh, guest we cannot wait to introduce you to and to walk us through uh, this episode. But first, as always, the introductions. My name is Keith Giles. I am one of your many co-hosts. I'm the author of the seven-part Jesus Un series on deconstruction and reconstruction, the two-part so far solo series, and the recently released Second Cup with Keith, available on Amazon. Go check that out. It's kind of like- Oh my uh, God, who the hell cares? <laughs> it's a book about, uh, it's really basically uh, a summary of uh, a lot of things that I talk about. In fact, you could think of it as kind of an introduction to the Jesus Sun series. Like, read that book first. It's enough to whet your appetite and uh, hopefully make you want to read even more. Uh, But I'm joined by my other co-hosts, and I want them to introduce themselves and say hi. So that's uh, Katie, Shauna, December, and sometimes Matt. Say hi. Hi, everyone. This is Katie Valentine. I am the founder of the Metaphysical Christian Facebook community. We talk about chakras and woo things and past lives and a lot of things that are too fabulous. And if we're all too fabulous for Florida, is there a state I'm not too fabulous for? That's true. I you're just you're fabulous not. enough for <laughs> California. I, I was like, I think there's some state that's just going to way exceed my cool factor and I, I, I'll be stopped at the gate. Like, yeah. <laughs> not, I cannot enter. Not cool. shout not pass through. Yes. So I may, maybe it's just one of those days. Anyhow, yeah, very excited about today's conversation. Y'all are going to love, love, love the guest. Hey, it's December Rose, and I'm so excited to be on another show with my good friends, Keith, Katie, Shonda, and Matt. Sometimes uh, <laughs> I'm the author of The Church Can Go to Hell, available on Amazon through Choir Publishing. And this next guest will inspire you. I am Shonda. You can find me over at Substack, where I have a newsletter on joy in justice. And I am thrilled for the conversation we're going to have today. And I would like to apologize, Keith. I was so excited to cut you off with that soundbite. I know. In I know. like the perfect time. I was just waiting to do it. You haven't done it in a while, and I was kind of expecting it. It's got like an earthquake. Right? After a while, it's been a long time, but you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Yes. That, that, that was so fun back in the day. The, the good old times. I love the current lineup, but we... We, we did some silly shit back in the day. Um, 
where we used to, you know, try, try to cut each other off and make each other sound stupid. Uh, we do less of that, but sometimes I like to do it a, a little bit too often. It's okay. To, to it's my good nostalgic. friend, Keith. It's, it's nostalgic. nostalgic. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> all you fine listeners who love this show so much, why don't you consider heading on over to patreon.com slash heretic happy hour. That is how this show continues to move forward and, uh, you know, hopefully pay for itself because this is a labor of love and you lovely listeners help us do that. So if you want to unlock some cool bonuses and help this lovely show keep going, head on over to patreon.com slash heretic happy hour. Normally, this is the place where we would have stone thoughts. And I, I have to admit, I'm missing them. Is anyone well, else missing, missing stone thoughts? Will they yeah, ever come back? You, maybe you're the only one. Maybe you and a few <laughs> others. <laughs> Mr. Sure. Yes. Yes. During the regular shows, I'll bring it back. But I like to give our guest hosts a little more time. That's a fair. little more time. Okay, that that's super fair. So we do have another guest host, more than more than only a heretic. Uh, I met this particular co-host a long time ago, but 15, 20 years ago in Berkeley, California, and have been just friendly ever since. So you're going to love this person who's not only too fabulous for Florida, but actually in Florida. It's the heretic of the week. Hi, I'm Reverend Jacob Hero Shaw, and I am a heretic. Hi, Jacob. <laughs> Reverend Jacob, it's such a um, pleasure to welcome you here. I've I've had the distinct honor and privilege of knowing you um, uh, for over a decade, we figured out at least. Um, so we're so glad that you're here. And just to kick us off as part of our Two Fab for Florida series, tell us why someone might call you a heretic. Well, I am a transgender queer pastor uh well i'm a christian pastor who happens to be transgender <laughs> and happens to be queer uh which is an important distinction um and yeah and i believe that there are lots of paths to god and i believe that um that god celebrates queerness and it's a blessing. I, if I had it all to live over again, I would choose the same path that I'm, I'm on. So um, these are all things that, that definitely make people call me a heretic. Right. Uh, so Jacob, tell us a little bit about your story and um, how did you arrive? You talked, you, you alluded just now to like your path and your journey. So tell us a bit about that. Um, you know, how did you get to where you are right now? Yeah. So um, I, um, was very fortunate to also uh, be raised by heretics. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I, I, I grew up somewhat in the Unitarian Universalist church, but we weren't really ch church-going people that much. But I actually remember uh, learning the word heretic because there was this t-shirt that had like all these different things. And heretic was one of the words. And I asked my mom, uh, what's a heretic? And it was like, you know, Unitarian Universalist. And it was like, of course, Buddhist, Catholic, blah, blah, blah. And then heretic was on there too. And I said, mom, what's it? What is this word? What's heretic? And, and she said, oh, that's me. Because <laughs> My mother had uh, been raised Catholic and, um, and left the Catholic church, uh, around age 19 or 20. And, uh, she, uh, kept a lot of the, the Catholic, um, the, the good 
the spiritual stuff from Catholicism and just let go of all the, the shame and guilt. So, uh, mm-hmm. so that was my, uh, my first heretic role model, uh, when I was just a little kid. <laughs> And, you were born um, into heresy. You were born. Into- I was. I really <laughs> was, was born into heresy. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, growing up not in a uh, any kind of strict faith community, which I know is maybe different than a lot of your listeners' uh, experience, but uh, the advantage of that for me was that I had less unlearning to do as I went on my own spiritual journey. Um, it was definitely strange to my family when I started getting more and more interested in Christianity and then really felt a, a sense of calling to ministry um, when I was in college and um, decided, you know, I really <clears throat> needed to to follow this path. It's a, a, a story born out of some tragedy. My uh, good friend who had really kind of, kind of gotten me interested in, in this whole Jesus, this Jesus dude. Uh, was had come out as a lesbian when we were in high school and and her church was very fundamentalist and she had an experience of being pulled up in front of this mega well maybe not a mega church but probably a thousand people um and being publicly shamed when, when she was a teenager and this friend of mine died by suicide right after we graduated from high school and it was it was after that that I was like you know what uh, our people need um need to hear a message of God's love because that's all I all I understood God to be. And uh, again, that's such heresy in, in many people's eyes. So um, I got my undergrad degree in religious studies and I went to seminary and at Pacific School of Religion um, and got ordained in the metropolitan community churches. And that's that's kind of how I took this path, uh, as I mentioned already, uh, I'm trans. And, uh, so I transitioned, uh, when I was pretty young in my early twenties, um, in Florida, I, I came out as trans when I was 19, but it took four years for me to access the medical care needed to transition here. Um, and, and that was over 20 years ago. So, um, I, you know, I, I left Florida for a long time. Um, and, and there were, when I first left, I, I really, I I knew I was going to go into ministry, but I thought I'd be a chaplain. So there were three things that I swore I would never do. I would never live in Florida again. I was in my, I was about 24 (laughs) when I made this promise to myself, never live in Florida again. Uh, I would never pastor a church and I would never get married. Uh, I really thought that that just sounded getting married sound sounded awful. <laughs> so <laughs> now in my forties, I am very happy to uh, to to have done all three. <laughs> Move back to Florida, back to church. Uh, I'm I'm happily married. We have two kids, uh, and yeah. Wow. So so uh, so never, you know, never. I'm sure you know that old joke, right? You want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Rev. Uh, This is December. (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) Good to have you on here. As someone who was born into heresy by way of Florida (laughs) and and now um, pastoring there as a trans man, you said recently, we refuse to be run out of our state because of ignorance, fear, and hate. 
the visible presence of the LGBTQ plus people is so vital. Tell us uh, a bit about living and pastoring in Florida and why the, the LGBTQ plus uh, presence is so important there. Yeah. So, you know, when I, I went to seminary in Berkeley, California, uh, and life was so much easier as a queer person there for me. But I really felt so much like I needed to be back here in Florida. Um, it is uh, life-giving for me personally to to do the work that's quite radical here, the inclusive work. But it's also life-saving um, for for people here to just know that there are faith leaders who are not just not just you know me specifically but but faith leaders who are more than just accepting but but willing to put our our livelihoods and our bodies on the line um for liberation of all people who are being oppressed especially oppressed by the church oppressed by Ron DeSantis and all his cronies and um what you know what is happening here is um pretty awful at the moment um access to trans health care being a major one uh and i just really feel that it is uh, better for me to stay here and uh as much as my, my my parents are here and they love me being here but my mom is constantly saying to me uh you know are you sure you don't want to go somewhere where it's easier my my husband is from Scotland, and he's been in the states for about twenty years. And uh, you know, uh, to be honest, the UK is is sort of uh, all of the UK, not just Scotland, is is following in the path of Florida in some ways. Scotland is probably the best of all all of that area in terms of uh, trans rights. But um, you know, everywhere we go, there could be a, an issue, but. Here is is what's home, and um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I you really are on the front lines um, being in Florida. I'm by the way, I'm in Texas, so I kind yeah. of feel your pain. Uh, yeah. At least on some. Our level. governors are racing on the. Yes, uh, they are trying who can to be <laughs> more awful. Who can be more like a dictator of a small uh, European country? Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah, and so. But it really is a battle. I mean, we know we use that metaphor being on the front lines, but it is more than a metaphor. It really is life and death, like you were just even saying about uh, your friend, which I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, but that that is typical. That is the kind of thing that's happening. And that is the fruit and result of uh, this rhetoric that demonizes people. And, and it really, who suffers the most? It's young people, um, right? And th that's why the suicide rates are so high among uh, the LGBTQI plus community is that um, because of this, right? Because they're just getting this attack, uh, they're being demonized, they're being told that they're an abomination, that God hates them and all this stuff. So um, thank you for staying in spite of the fact that it might not be your preference. Um, and can you talk about that part of it, like for you, because this is something that you, you've lived through yourself um, and now you get to stand up and be someone who advocates for young people and for just people in general uh, mm -hmm. who are like yourself, who are feeling very attacked and very oppressed in this state. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that is 
so important to communicate is that um, when when we're living in the experience of being political pawns, um, it's not really about us. Um, whoever whoever the the demonized group is, it's not really about the individuals in that group. It's about the power that other people get by oppressing the people in our group. So I, I had it in some ways easy when I first transitioned. I didn't really know very many trans people, mostly only online. And um, but it was easy here in Florida because nobody expected a trans guy at all. So, you know, it was it was like nobody knew that that existed who I encountered on a day-to-day basis. Uh medical people kind of didn't know even what to make of me. And um uh, getting my birth certificate and stuff like that changed was so easy cuz they nobody had thought yet to make any rules against it. <laughs> so, you know, I was able to just legally transition without any uh struggle now getting access to the medical care was definitely a struggle but um and it you know i remember what it was like to not have anyone to talk to especially in person so i you know being public about who i am is is always about helping other people i i lived in a way that was what some might consider stealth which you know it's kind of a eh, term i don't like but where I never talked about being trans for a long time uh, until I realized, well, it will help people to to see that yeah. I exist. You know, I pastored my church for a long time with, it wasn't something I kept secret, but it wasn't something I ever was really willing to talk about um, until it became something that I didn't have the choice. I had to talk about it to help other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's Mr. Jacob, it, yeah, thank you. Um, it's, it strikes me that as an activist, um, as well as a pastor, as well as you know, all the many things that you do, um, really just living and being public is a form of activism. Um, mm-hmm. Like what you just described to me is activism. Because sometimes we think that activism, that we have to like save the whole world, where in reality, having a conversation is sometimes a, a really wonderful and effective form of activism. But for you, because um, the December quoted quoted you um, earlier, and you, you talked a little bit about your activism. So tell us, like, what does that mean for you? Um, how do you define activism uh, for yourself, for your community, and in your context, especially in Florida? Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're very accurate that sometimes just being public and existing is activism. Uh, but also learning how the political system works, learning how to go talk to legislate the legislation, to go talk to the go talk to the leaders, go talk to whoever will listen. Uh, sometimes talk at people who won't listen. Um, that's helpful. Being seen in public is helpful. Um, before I went to seminary, I went and did some human rights work. Uh, in Croatia and throughout the area known as the former Yugoslavia area in Serbia and throughout there. Um, and the experience there that I learned, I learned so much about activism there. Um, but like, for instance, uh, I helped put on one of the early pride parades in Zagreb and, uh, How cool is that? you know, <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was a really cool yeah. experience. 
uh, and and we did it. We created a we did this big conference. It was like the first one in that region on gender identity, and it was incredible because there were people from all over Central and Eastern Europe who had never met other trans people and had been kind of living al- alone in this. And this was in 2005, so it was like quite a while ago. But I, you know, I think of a lot about that Pride Parade where we had like all these activists, and you know, we were just like y- young and like in our sneakers and t-shirts and no protective gear and on both sides of the parade were these uh cops in riot gear and total like stormtrooper helmets and shields yeah. and everything mm. and when when they would rotate off duty some of them would take off their gear and join the protesters against us so like it was it was just a wild experience and people were throwing these glass there's all these uh cafes lining the streets in zagreb it's a beautiful wonderful place uh, but there are these heavy glass ashtrays on the tables and people were chucking them at us. And Ooh. like, so on the one hand, that's like one type of activism. And w- when I was like, you know, in my mid twenties, that was what like empowered me and made me feel like brave and special <laughs> to do that kind of work. Um, uh, and, and now I've, uh, you know, as I've like, you know, raised kids and, and and not wanting to put myself in such a danger i find a different kind of activism but it's also i mean the danger is there i think being public uh can also be um a bit of a risk especially when you have a job like mine where you know if someone wanted to find me i'm very easy to find yeah it's like literally on a website that says exactly where i will be right so, uh, you know, we have to have some awareness about that. But uh, again, it's like being visible. It just matters. Um, yeah. I try to be what I wish I had had uh, when I was a younger person. Yeah. And so much of what you're doing, um, Jacob, is it is putting yourself out there. Like it, you're, you're, you're having to, in some ways, sacrifice what you prefer to do, where you prefer to live. Um, the kind of life you would rather have, uh, your own physical safety and things like that, um, and your spouse and your children and things like that. Um, so thank you for doing that. I think it takes a lot of courage and bravery to stand there, um, to put yourself out there for the sake of others. And I'm just curious, I don't want to focus too much on the negative because I think you're doing so much beautiful, positive stuff, but I, I am curious. I mean, have you gotten sort of like a really you know, scary things? Have there been threats? Are there other people that are sort of looking for you? And, or, or what, has it mostly just kind of been the general negative, um, you know, comments on Facebook and stuff? Right. It's mostly been like stuff that people say on Facebook, you know, people get yeah. really, uh, uh, and not just Facebook, other, other social media platforms, but sure. you know, like people get a, a certain kind of courage when they're sitting at a keyboard. Yeah. Right. Yes. And while we do have to take it seriously, like I don't lose sleep over it, yeah. right? Um, honestly, I, I've been surprised that some of the um, the negativity has been from within the the gay and lesbian really? community. Um, and you know, I think that there's kind of a, a a sea change that's happening in in queer spaces that shift to queerness from kind of a, a more i don't know a different cultural understanding of of what it means to be a gay and le- gay or lesbian person um you know 
at one point people were were freaking out over bisexual folks right. and now people are like oh well maybe bisexuals are okay or we'll just pretend that they don't exist um and <laughs> uh and and now you know there are definitely some some vocal anti-trans folks and i find that more yeah. in places that experience more oppression so you know again go back to like looking at living in the san francisco bay area yeah there might be some transphobic people who are in the in, in the non-trans gay and lesbian spaces but for the most part like in a place where there's less friction there is less transphobia within the lgbt community in places where people are experiencing a lot of uh, oppression you know i just i personally have to believe that it's just a manifestation of their own trauma right. like you know it's it's hard it's traumatizing and especially when we're talking about like an older generation who came up fighting for one thing and now here we are in the community saying actually we got to fight for all these things it's hard it's really really hard and you know if you know and this isn't only about trans stuff uh but also you know i i often am saying that you know we can't do any kind of queer work without doing racial justice work and you know we we can't do any kind of faith work without it being uh, at least in some way connected to to interfaith work. Yes. So, you know, and that's upsetting to some people uh, because we, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not out here saying that Christianity is the only way. I'm not out here saying like anything about, you know, oh, I am saying that there has to be a fundamental shift in, in, in LGBT rights work. Like we just have to, it has to be a solidarity moment, movement or it doesn't. So, uh, Jacob, you're, uh, in addition to all the other amazing things that you are and that you're doing, um, you're also a spiritual director. So for those of our listeners who aren't exactly sure what that is, uh, tell us what that is, what you do, uh, in your, when you're wearing that hat of spiritual director. Yeah. So spiritual direction is, uh, uh the spiritual directors are people who, who journey with folks in their spiritual path. So it's different from, pastoral care in the church context. And I don't have, have, I, I intentionally do not uh, work with folks in the Tampa Bay area as a spiritual director, because I feel like people in, in my area are, uh, <laughs> everyone's a potential congregant. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I love your you optimism. Know, That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's boundaries because there's a different kind of relationship. Um, with spiritual direction it's not therapy but it is kind of it's one-on-one -on -one. uh i do it over zoom uh and so for me spiritual direction is about um a, a, a journey together it's about helping people find their path um i have a particular int interest in trauma so um you know people who experience any kind of trauma, not just spiritual trauma, um, but any kind of trauma that we experience in our lives, whether it's the loss of a loved one or having survived some kind of violence, um, it, it shapes us profoundly and, um, and it can really harm people's spirituality. One of the really important things I learned all those years ago in my time uh, in Croatia was, um, you know, being around so many people who had gone through adolescence during wartime, uh, 
Um, and especially with like the folks who I worked with there who, who were from Bosnia in particular, you know, had some of them had grown up and gone through puberty while in a city under siege. And uh, I watched what that did to their spirituality, which was for most of them, they all became atheists. So, um, um, you know, what does it mean to live into our spirituality as as people who've experienced trauma? And, and I say that as we, because, you know, most people, uh, it's hard to get through this life without without having some trauma. I think that's awesome. I think that's um, as first before I ask this next question. Let me just first say thank you, thank you for choosing to exist as yourself, because um, just choosing to do that is activism all by itself, and it takes so much courage um, to do that. Um, not not specific to the LGBTQ plus community. You know, a lot of people have a hard time showing up as themselves, but I think as it it takes an extra helping, an extra serving of courage to show up as yourself in the queer community. So thank you so much. And then to show up in the state of Florida as yourself. <laughs> I think you have an invisible cape somewhere. <laughs> but well, he, you know, His um, last name is Hero, Hero Shaw. <laughs> So. Yeah, it did. Okay, see, it's in the night. It's built in. It's like born in and built in. <laughs> and heroes, like yes. you can start your own plan. You really could. The heresy heroes. <laughs> yes, I like that. That has a good ring to it. So, being in the state of Florida, if you just happen to run into Rhonda Satan, um, what <laughs> might you say? Uh, to him, or if he just stumbles upon the Heretic Happy Hour podcast somehow in purgatory or something, what might you say uh, to him? <laughs> he going straight to hell. <laughs> I, I, I love that. that yeah, and the idea of purgatory, that, that when Ron DeSantis goes to purgatory, uh, if he makes that stop, on his way to somewhere else. <laughs> uh, the layover. He won't have a the layover. layover in purgatory. <laughs> that, that part of what, what, what he is given by God to, to, to be in purgatory with is this podcast. I love it. Uh -huh. um, 24-7. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would you uh, say? Okay, well, let's see. It depends on um, on, on on where my uh, my my gas tank level of compassion is yeah. in the moment because uh again like this is this is for my own well-being that i have to do this but like i have got to look at him and 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 try to have some kind of compassion i think uh i think that he is someone who is profoundly damaged by something um yeah and 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 what what is that you know that little you know little kid that he once was also like me at the same time period as me growing up in the same area he's also from the tampa bay area uh hmm. although he's from i think he's from Dunedin or somewhere uh but anyway uh tarpon springs somewhere in there uh in pinellas but uh you know, oh man, I just want to bless his heart, and and that you know, in that southern way, which <laughs> is a 
euphemism. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but also, you know, I, I would love to, you know, if I could truly have a real, real conversation, it would never happen. I don't think he'd have the, the, the tolerance for a human being like me existing in his presence for long. But, you know, I'd just love to say to him, like, man, there are are other ways that you could be like you have all this power and 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 you know like we all learned from spider-man with great power comes great responsibility and like dude you don't have to be this way you don't have to rule by by spreading fear and hatred now of course it fear and hatred has gotten him a, a lot of power and privilege yes uh but i do also think that we're starting to see him um have some ramifications of that in a way that's not helping his career because he's gone too far but uh i mean he's long past too far but you know um i would love to appeal to to that part of him that has got to have some compassion in there somewhere and and say you know you could do so much to help people by just not being hateful. And you said, you said that you're not sure that he would have um, the tolerance for someone like you in his presence for very much long. But I would say that the word to use is, I don't think he would have the courage. Oh, I yeah. I don't think it would be about the tolerance. I think it would about, be about the courage because I consider, any to me, when you're not willing to at least see the other side of the dime or see uh, another perspective, you don't have the courage to to find out whether or not you are right or wrong. Not the tolerance, yeah. the courage. He doesn't have the courage to be in the presence of someone like you. And perhaps someone like you would make him question him own self be- or, because I'm convinced the little, little glimmers of stuff because why he wear the white go-go boots? To the, you know what I'm saying? Listen, I'm convinced. I'm because I have seen this when people go so hard against one area, or they go over the top. It usually because they're struggling with. I'm not accusing him of anything. I'm just saying, bro, man, be wearing high heels every chance he get on the low. I'm saying he stepped out with the white go go. I'm just saying, and for as much as he be trying to contort himself and pretzel himself into the expectations and approval of everyone. I don't think he has the courage to sit in the presence of you. I don't think it's a tolerance. I, I, I don't, I don't think this man is someone who has, who can identify with him on his own self mm, at, in point. this stage. <laughs> that's yeah. just what and I'm, let me, I, you know, yeah. uh, let me be clear. Tolerance isn't what I'm aiming for in general, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's just what can people tolerate at all? But yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Man. Could you imagine a life in which you live in in complete fear of someone thinking you're short right. <laughs> at all times. You know, I'm not a tall person, but uh, I I have never felt insecure about that. I mean, I, I there's things I'm insecure about in in my life. I get about what insecurity is about, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I found and preachers do this too. Preachers and churches do this. When you go so hard in one direction about one thing. In my experience, usually that person is struggling with that thing, right? Because uh, they're constantly really condemning themselves and speaking against. I'm not saying that's Ron. I'm just saying 
that brother got a whole lot of energy for that for the LGBTQ community. Like it ain't nothing else to focus on right now. You know, you know what I'm it saying? It does Between seem like a glitter that. party is in order in front of yes. the like gubernatorial major wherever he lives, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or his office, yeah. something. So, yeah, yeah. I, I do wonder about his uh, his specific targeting um, of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, if, if it is about a, a struggle that he's having internally, um, which is a possibility, you know, um, when we get protesters at my church, I always, always look out the window at them and I'm like, girl, please <laughs> put down the bullhorn and join in, just accept yourself. Um, just, just come in. But then at the same time, I just wonder if, if it's not just that we're a convenient target right now. I mean... I don't, I don't, I don't have to tell this group or, or any of the listeners that, you know, the racism is also a big one here. Oh yeah. Yes. And, yeah. and, um, and, and I would, uh, I would guess that, uh, his, uh, support of Israel isn't about him actually being supportive of Jewish people, but is about the political, right. uh, message that that gives uh, yeah. it's all political capital yeah positions right. him because, as a certain, yeah um I, i'll be honest this is information i got from twitter so who knows if it's true but someone who went to high school with him claims that you know he used to walk around making nazi salutes and saying all kinds mm-hmm. of anti-semitic oh. things and now here he is at this moment you know talking about how he's such a supporter of israel now again this is something i read on twitter so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know, everything on twitter is true Oh, oh, that's right. Right. Well, Elon yeah. Musk has made sure that that's the case. So, of course, yes. I have he, he's no champion. doubt. Yeah, right. <laughs> <Champion>. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, uh, and I don't, oh my gosh, I don't want to be held to, to, to dumb stuff I did in high school either, although I certainly never did anything close to that. But, you know, you know I'm dra- dragging up stuff from people's high school. Eh, that's a little unfair. But, but still, I just think, like, if if it's true that this is a person who has been so uh, reinforcing his his sense of self through through hating other people, um, I just go back to the trauma thing. What what broke him? Yes. What what harmed him so much that he doesn't see a way of grace? And you know, especially someone who claims to be Christian, like oh, let's let's lean into God's grace. Let's figure out a way to to not respond with hate and that goes for our side too our side like when i'm preaching i try not to do that dichotomy but it's so hard you know when i'm preaching to a a congregation that's not completely lgbt but 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 mostly and i'm like we can't just be like us versus them like let's have some compassion and i and i say that with the with the knowledge that so many in my congregation have a different experience than what i have like my family is uh, amazingly supportive of me but that's not the reality of the of many of the people who come to my church. Most of them have been rejected horribly by their families. Yes. So, you know, when I say let's have compassion, I realize that that comes with like uh, so much weight and and the need again to work through our own pain. I'm sorry, I was just going to say it's that thing about you know not letting someone pull you down into their hate, right? Refusing to to uh, if they're sending you hate, you're, you're refusing to. Uh, to join them in that, right? But finding a, that better path, that better way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not that I haven't said some sure. hateful things about him uh, <laughs> in the in the privacy of my own home, but uh, because it, it is hard when you feel like um, someone is just working to set up all these roadblocks. I mean, 
you know, when, when I suddenly had trouble accessing the testosterone that I've been taking for over 20 years, because and I, I mean, I was able to get it worked out as, as a lot of trans people have been able to, but many more haven't, mm. uh, because they changed all these laws. Um, you know, it, it is hard to not, uh, respond within myself with, with hatred, um, against the, the, it's about a system, but it's also, there is an individual who's really uh, at the forefront of it. And I'm trying and doing my spiritual work to not hate him. Um, but I also don't accept him. So in an ideal world, Ron DeSantis will have some interior reflection. Maybe he'll hear this podcast and he's going to seek you out to be his spiritual director. And of course he won't be able to tell us because it's all like yeah. <laughs> non-disclosure. Yeah, because of the confidentiality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 He could, he could come on and, and he could show up and say, let me tell you how spiritual direction changed my life. And I worked through my trauma and yes, that, you know, I am a hopeless optimist. I am a ridiculous optimist. And I actually believe the possibility of that for people. Well, maybe yeah. not him, but, but I really do believe that through love and grace. And I don't mean that in like the cheap grace kind of thing, right? That's not just like commercial grace. Right. Exactly. It, I I mean work. I mean real difficult soul searching. Break yourself open work. I think that anyone can be transformed, but you have to be willing to do it. Um, and and we all need it, right? We all need transformation. This isn't just like oh those people over there who are doing it wrong. Uh, you know, like every white person, every single white person in this country needs to do that work, and every Christian person needs to do work around the the hegemonic power that christianity has in this culture you know it's not miserable work but it's it's challenging and it makes us better people once we once we do it yeah i love it i would say nobody is exempt from that work (laughs) what's up everybody has nobody's exempt from that work i think that would that is a applicable homework assignment for every person (laughs) regardless of your your race social status you know whatever community you subscribe to. I think that's work. That soul work is for everyone. That soul work is for everyone. Um, where can people find you? Where can people find you? Besides also where can people, if they want to just pop up, if I just pop up in Florida one day and want to come <laughs> hear the word from the right Reverend Jacob uh, Heresy Hero Shaw, where <laughs> do we come uh, to get the word and where can we find you online? <laughs> well, you can find me at the Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa uh, in Tampa, Florida. Um, and um, you can, if you're interested in spiritual direction, uh, you can email me at it is uh, queer ritual direction. So, like, take off this from spiritual and put in the word queer. Uh, direction at gmail i also just this morning realized you know what i should set up an instagram for that <laughs> so you could go to that same name queer tool direction uh on instagram and you will see absolutely nothing if you do it today because <laughs> i literally this morning sign up today by the time by the time it comes out there's going to be so much amazing stuff on That's right. that instagram <laughs> yes uh to be fair, if I'm you're hearing this, there is something there. There. <laughs> there will be something there by the time. Give me, give me some time, but it'll be there. Uh, yeah, so you, you can are going on sabbatical, so hopefully not too much there. 
Yeah, yeah. I am I am I am technically already on sabbatical, but but yeah. I am leaving tomorrow on a trip and yeah, so there will be uh none of that for the next couple weeks. But uh yeah, uh look me up. You can also reach me through the church through Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa. And uh I would love to connect to people even if you just uh heard this and and have questions or wanna wanna connect. I'm I'm happy to be there. Thank you so, great. so much for being here. Yeah, thank you, Jacob. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. Wow, so amazing. And I got to say, it's not an accident that this person's middle name is Hero because this, I think that, I think he's my hero. Uh, so good. And thank you so, so much for being uh, our guide through this episode of the Two Fab for Florida series. Thank you. It was really great. Awesome, Jacob. It's so good to have Jacob on the on the show, on the air. So if you enjoyed that interview, if you have enjoyed other conversations we've been having in this series or anywhere in the life of the Heretic Happy Hour, we try really hard to give you five-star service. We hope you will give us a five-star rating. Please rate and review us. It is how people like you find people like us. Okay, y'all, you know the drill. We got a Facebook group. It's a free Facebook group. It's called Heresy After Hours, H-A-H, Heresy After Hours. If you've not joined already, we know that Facebook is like for a certain generation, but come on over, even if you're under the age of 30, uh, join Facebook. It's fun. We have great conversations there. There's some group dynamics. There's jokes. There's memes. There's everything you could ever wish for. Uh, So Heresy After Hours, free Facebook group, and post away. Another great one. This is really good. Mm-hmm.